1: Bonus bets expire in 30 days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park.
2: Hi folks, welcome to another episode of Film Study. This is Ken McCusick and co-host Dan Reese looking at this week's By the Numbers. Uh, Dan, another very exciting win. Does it, does it keep you awake at night the way it did on the East Coast out there in uh, La La Land? Yeah,
3: it's a lot nicer for me, I can tell you that. Uh, <laughs> I still got a couple hours to calm down. I know you guys are probably around midnight when the games are over, huh? Um, but, uh, you know, it, it starts right after work and uh, entertainment for the whole evening, so it's
2: good. There you go. All right. Uh, We'll start with the first number of the night, which is a set of numbers, 442, 43, and 86%. You probably know already what those are. The yards, attempts, and completion percentage for Lamar Jackson in this game. Some remarkable things about those totals. The 43 pass attempts beat the previous record with 85% plus completion by 5 so the previous record was 38. The previous highest yardage ever for 85% completion was 380. So it beat that by 62. Uh, this is truly one of the greatest passing games in NFL history. Uh, we got to appreciate it as such. Uh, High-volume passing games are almost never perfect. Passer ratings, those are usually done in, you know, 22, 24 kind of attempts because it's very hard to maintain the percentages needed and the average yards needed per pass without a relatively small sample size. And Jackson uh, truly had one of the great games of all time. Yeah, it was an amazing game by him.
3: You know, it was uh, just just crazy from start to finish, uh, such a, such an exciting game. And for him to put up those stats and just lead him down the field, you uh, kind of had the feeling at the end that, you know, we get the ball, we're good.
2: Yeah. I, you know, I felt that too. Like the, 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 the obviously the flip was tremendous, but what about all the haterism today talking about how the receivers were wide open. They took advantage of, of these uh, rookie corners and their depleted cornerback situation, which by the way, isn't even true you know they basically took advantage of the inside linebackers and the fact that they had to play a very soft two deep shell for most of that second half to to cover for those corners but they really took advantage of the inside linebackers which is the ravens you know getting a little taste of their own uh uh problem on the positive side
3: yeah well i don't i don't really think it was Thinking and dunking. You see those yards that you, you see, um, you know, those aren't, those aren't any, any sort of yards to sneeze at, you know, you said it it broke the record. So mm-hmm. it's not like he was thinking and dunking and taking what the defense gives you, especially in zone coverage is good quarterback play. So that's the right thing to do. Not punish, not something to criticize.
2: So absolutely.
3: All right. I'll jump into my number. Um, I've got, two numbers, 36.4 and negative 15.2. The 36.4 is the total EPA per NFL faster on all of the dropbacks by the Ravens in week five. That was the highest EPA for dropbacks uh, across the NFL in any week for in 2021. On the other side, the negative 15.2 was the total EPA on run plays for the Ravens in week five. It was the lowest EPA uh, on total run plays in all of 2021. So they had any team. So they had the best, (laughs) they had the best pass performance by EPA and the worst (laughs) run performance by EPA. The only game uh, that had a better pass performance in the last three years was week one in 2019 by the Ravens. So against Miami, where they were just lighting them up. So, um, you know, that just a crazy game. All the, you know, completely dichotomous. So,
2: I think, I think you're, you're the early favorite for the stat of the week here, Dan. That was a great one. <laughs> uh, we'll, we'll move on here. Uh, four numbers here. Four, 296, 19, and zero. Referring to the last four drives, the Ravens scored four touchdowns. Rolled up 296 yards of offense, got 19 first downs, and zero times did they get to third down. This is so incredible. I've I've never seen anything like this, a a stretch that long, where a team never gets to third down even once. They they literally never got to their next-to-last chance during that entire time, other than those two two two-point conversions, which really were the only times that they really had uh, a make-or-break play that they needed.
3: Yeah. It just is, was amazing. You know, every drive, like I said, it was just uh you, you kind of had, uh, I, I had complete confidence in them going in, which is great that they won or <laughs> that they won the coin toss because I did not have that confidence on the defensive side. <laughs> so, but just an amazing performance to finish the game by the offense. So, all right. My next number is 18. Wentz and Jackson were 18 for 18 on passes traveling 10 plus air yards. It's the first game without a downfield incompletion since 2016 uh, per next gen stats, which is when they started, uh, started uh, uh, measuring that Jackson went eight for eight for 187 yards and a touchdown. And Wentz went 10 for 10 for 208 yards and a touchdown. So like we talked about, it wasn't all dinking and Duncan. That's pretty impressive passing on deep passing too.
2: Yeah, for for both sides there. And unfortunately, Anthony Everett's game really shows up in Wentz's statistics because a lot of that was top of the route, break the wrong way. He's buying whatever they're selling. In terms of the the move at the top of the Route and and, and that, a lot of that 10 for 10 Unfortunately for Wentz was right on Everett. And interestingly enough you know the 76 yard pass Play that was behind the line of scrimmage so it wasn't a, It wasn't even in there Yep Alright we'll move on here uh, I've got 8 And 9.0 uh, In their 25 year history The Ravens have only had eight receivers, any position, running back, tight end, wide receiver, fullback, whatever it might have been, um, that had a season where they averaged 9.0 plus yards per target on 20 plus receptions. So far, the Ravens this year have four such players north of that mark. Watkins is at 9.13 yards per target. Andrew's at 10.53 yards per target. By the way, he holds the all-time record for the Ravens at 11.04 in his rookie year. Brown eleven point eighty seven yards per target, and crochet thirteen point one one yards per target. He's caught eight out of nine balls. Um, that's a, that's a still tremendous. Obviously, yards per target even for nine nine catches, it'll serve him well in keeping that. High throughout the year. Now, one of the things I always say with regard to any kind of statistics that it's a rate statistic is that there are always more 400 hitters in May than there are in, at the end of the season or in September. And I'm sure that a couple of these receivers are going to drop off the pace, and there's not likely to be another one other than maybe Bateman who would jump into this group. Uh, so it's it's they won't all be 9.0, but this is still going to be a year where I think the Ravens have at least one and possibly two 9.0 yards per target receivers, which would really be something.
3: Yeah, I definitely think uh, Hollywood has a good chance of keeping it up there, you know, if, if they can keep connecting. But I think it, a lot of it comes down to how defenses decide to play the Ravens, you know, if they keep uh, stacking the box and, you know, and, um, you know, giving some middle of field openings or, or you know, it, it kind of depends how what the defense is trying to take away. Um, mm-hmm. So, um, All right. Uh, my next numbers, uh, two numbers here, is 2.34 and 18. 2.34 is the number of seconds for Oway to get his sack. Oway, that was the third fastest sack recorded so far this year. 18 is the number of pressures for Oway so far this year per Next Gen Stats, which leads rookies so far in 2021. Just. Pretty just awesome performance mm-hmm. he had, and he's just looked so so good so far this year. He's playing sixty seven percent of the defensive snaps, uh, which is sixth highest on the team so far. So really hitting the ground running, uh, both in contributing overall and contribute on splash
2: pay, splash plays. Yeah, he, he might, he's very close to leading the front five, which is the group that really rotates a lot in terms I think of Campbell the percentage is a of plays. Campbell, you're right. Just barely. And then, and then it's mostly defensive backs otherwise that would have been the player and Queen. Yep. Yeah. Okay, so I, I, I do have to say one thing about that is, first of all, Owe came into this league with a, with a real question mark about his get-off ability. But on that sack... It wasn't a great counter move that got him home. It was an incredible get-off. I mean, he literally moved at the same spot of the snap. And if you do the uh, pause and fast-forward method, as you can do on a TV remote, probably other remotes as well, you can kind of see it one frame at a time. And he's off four or five images before the next offensive linemen are up other than the center. If you when you see that, and it's really on either side of the ball, when you see that kind of a get off, first of all, it's 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 fortunate that it didn't get called off sides and and the and the uh, officials really know how to look at that. Uh, but but it was an unbelievable uh, ability to be basically right next to the left tackle before he could even you know lift a finger sort of thing. And and by by the by the time he got his hands over there, it was just much too late for him to impact Oway's rush in any way. It's growth in terms of what he's accomplished in improvement is almost more impressive to me than what he's accomplished in production which is really good saying something given the other stats you say of just how productive a pass rusher he's been
3: yeah just his overall performance just his quickness off the line like you said it's just it's been amazing uh what he's been able to accomplish so far this
2: year really really exciting yeah it's uh, it's nice to have a player like that with a with a clear uptick that you can you can kind of point to. My my next number, three point four and nine point seven. Three point four are the yards per play when the Ravens deployed zero outs inside linebackers, sorry, versus the Colts. So it's fifty-five yards and sixteen plays on two different versions of the dime that they used. Okay, and One of them used two down linemen, the other used only one down lineman, and and the rest were outside linebackers among the front five and with six defensive backs and zero inside linebackers in either case. So 3.4 yards per play when they deployed zero inside linebackers. 9.7 yards per play when the Ravens deployed two inside linebackers, which was every other play. So 458 yards on those 47 plays. Um, they used Bowser off-ball in these dime packages now to really be the coverage linebacker. And it really underscores the coverage problems the Ravens have at ILB. That, and that's not the only problem, obviously, that, that uh, Bowser is really their best coverage linebacker by a wide margin. And they'd use him in place of having an ILB effectively on third down, even with what they give up in terms of the pass rush, in terms of that flexibility. So, you know, I like that they're, they've adapted to more dime. And it's certainly critical that on these high leverage plays, they get their inside linebackers off the field as, as much as they've struggled. Um, but, but they also need to find a solution inside linebacker. And this really just I think there's some there's some luck and small sample sizes, may maybe a better way to put it in terms of the uh, result here being as broad as it was, but I still think it frames up the problem correctly in terms of just how bad that ILB play has been.
3: Yeah. I think it's, it's pretty amazing. The difference and it's, you know, Great to see that they performed well because, like you mentioned, those are the high leverage plays. Those are the mm-hmm. third downs. I think it also was for the two-minute drill. Yep. So, it was really, um, you know, real, really key things in, in the play. Um, do you ha- do you think that um, it's sustainable to have Bowser play inside linebacker on those?
2: those uh, types I wouldn't of- have him. On those type of countdowns, yes, that's sustainable, yeah. I think. I think okay. I think they've got enough talent and, and in fact they've been using Bowser some on the inside, which mitigates I think some of his value. I'd rather have him standing up off ball, mm-hmm. picking a lane when he does rush otherwise dropping into the most effective place to cover um, than having him really play from the inside and really drop from the A-gap or, or, or a, uh, you know, a three-tech position sometimes to get into level two and cover. So I think, I think that part of it is sustainable. But it does. Whenever you have Bowser restricted to a coverage role or more often in a coverage role, you're taking away something from the pass rush. So they've already done that with Judan by losing him. And you know, they don't have a replacement in terms of Owe, who yet, you know, while all the great things Owe has done, he hasn't done too much in coverage yet. But he he certainly seems to have the skills, but but he hasn't really really shown that yet.
3: It'll be interesting to see when Hayes comes back, too. So I'm not sure the timing of that.
2: Yeah. You mentioned one other thing about the leverage of the plays. That really fits into the EPA, too. And if you want to think about this as poker, these are the big hands you're playing. So you're pushing a lot of EPA into the pot. Expected points added into the pot and the positive or negative on those third down results because they they end drives, they end your chance to score, and there's effectively more wagered on each of those.
3: Yep, so the results are huge, so glad they have at least a some some sort of idea now going forward. All right, my next number is looking ahead a little bit, uh, 64.2%. That's the series success rate on third downs for the Chargers this year. So just kind of a quick uh, explanation of what that is. So you get to third down and a series success is either getting a first down on third or fourth down or scoring a touchdown on third or fourth down. Any other result is a, is a fail. So 64% of the time when they get to third down, they're able to get a first down or a touchdown either on third or fourth down. That's the best in the league. Mm -hmm. They've converted first down. uh, They've gotten to third down 67 times. They've converted it or scored on third down 33 times and 10 times on fourth down. They've, they've converted fourth down 10 out of 11 times. So they're they're pretty That's impressive <laughs> on both third down and they're not afraid to go forward on fourth down and um, and they've, get, they've put themselves in really good spots to succeed in fourth down. For comparison, okay. the Ravens um, are fourth worst at 39.7. So, you know, third down, third slash fourth down is going to be crucial both on offense and defense this game.
2: So as it always practice? is. <laughs> yeah. Do you have an approximately uh, league average on third down right now this year?
3: Uh, I don't, but it's you know okay. the highest is sixty four and the and the
2: fourth lowest the is 70, forty, yeah. so
3: it's got to be around fifty percent. So. See, that's
2: what I'd think. So if you look at the if you look at this and you do a little math, the Chargers are a league average team on third down. It's all fourth down, mm-hmm. and those fourth downs they've been going for very extreme fourth down situations with Staley. They they they're a very extreme. Um, math team in terms of, of uh, when you go for it on fourth down. It, they went for a fourth and two from their own 27 this year already. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah. yeah so they, and they had – I want to say they had like a fourth and six at midfield or something was in a in another uh, kind of situation. And, and the math would tell you to do that, by the way. The math would still say be more aggressive than you are, but uh, coaches are becoming progressively more able to explain it, and it helps when you can go 10 or 11. You don't have a lot of explaining to do. Right, exactly. Just, it makes an easier really story. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Last number for me, 120. That's the number of consecutive games won by the Indianapolis Colts and leading by 16 at any time during the fourth quarter. The last loss the Colts had was was the Elway game, quote unquote, in 1983. John Elway as a rookie, came back from a 19 to nothing deficit against the Colts in their next to last game in Baltimore. Um, I don't know how I feel about this. I didn't want that memory brought up again, you know, the last season of the Colts leaving all that. But in the other case, this kind of expunges it in a little way that the the Colts had to take it, Um, you know, from the Ravens. It only seems fair. Um, All I could say is I think that time heals some wounds. And I think the Ravens hate the Colts. Ravens fans hate the Colts a little bit less than Browns fans hate the Ravens. Uh, and, And it may be a matter of time. It may be a matter of whatever uh but but that's where I think we are right now as a city relative to Cleveland that'd be my guess
3: and uh you know I think that that's a pretty amazing stat and you know the comeback is it was pretty amazing you know and never really thought that we are completely out of it so
2: it's pretty awesome We've got a dog barking because he's telling me that if I left one other thing off here is that the Ravens only once have come back previously from a deficit of greater than 16 points. And that was the 2003 Seattle game, which a lot of people remember. Dan, I don't know if you were following the Ravens at that point or not, but uh, they were down 17. Okay, sorry to bring this up your your watch here, but uh, they they were trailing by 17 block punt from Ed Reed with about seven minutes to go. Uh, started the comeback. He ran it in for a touchdown himself back when he every pun he blocked, pretty much he ran in for a touchdown. <laughs> uh, and then uh, uh, they they had a series of miraculous occurrences strung together. It's interesting that the Ravens on Monday night really didn't have to go through that miraculous string of occurrences. They had to get two two-point conversions, but everything else they did, oh, the block. block the game.
3: block field goal was pretty yeah. big, but yeah. you know, with everything in the storyline, there wasn't out of uh, you know, blocked punt or missed or blocked field goal. Excuse me, or missed field goal. Or you know, with the injuries, there was there was definitely a story where it was there's a very likely chance that they could miss this. You know, whether it was the injury or yeah. he had missed one before. So it was um, you know, it wasn't out of the realm of possibilities. But the block kick was pretty awesome. So yeah. All right, my last numbers are nine percent and eighty-seven percent. Again, looking ahead to the Chargers. Uh, this this is per uh, Seth Walder. Uh, he tweeted this out uh, that uh, the Chargers have had eight men in the box 9% of the time compared to a league average of 24%. Hmm. Uh, offenses facing the Chargers have had at least as many blockers as defenders in the box 87% of the runs, which is the second highest rate. So 87% of the time, the offense outnumbered the um, the defenders in the box for the Chargers. The Chargers have allowed 5.6 yards per carry, which is the league worst. But I, it really seems like a decision by the Chargers defensive staff to allow the run to, uh, you know, allow teams to run and really defend the pass. I think that follows with the analytics ideas that they've had. And uh, you think about it, the 5.6 yards per carry on run plays, which is league worst would be third best. If you just look at pass plays so they can Mm -hmm. see that no matter what they're allowing on run plays, it's still very good compared to pass plays. So, Uh, So I think it'll be really interesting to see how that plays out with the Ravens, um, whether they continue that methodology and whether the Ravens just say thanks and we'll just run it all over y'all game.
2: So, yeah, the Chargers know your foe guest uh, brought this point up that the the defensive interior for the Chargers in particular is quite weak. Uh, One of the things they're going to have to deal with this week is is trying to impact joey bosa in some meaningful way so there's two ways the ravens could do it within their normal run scheme number one is they could let him block him with air let him run free and have jackson evade him with the with the pull so have the reeds go that way and and uh and use that but then you're you're gonna have to use jackson to run outside that didn't really work all that well in the 2018 game against the chargers so uh, uh, the playoff game uh, so mm-hmm. I think there's a chance that that would be not the way they'd go. The other way is line up heavy as they have these last few weeks with lots of extra chips in particular on the right side and just make, bruise Joey Bosa's rib cage continually all game long, which I think is probably the way to go with the tackles they have. They, they're not going to be able to stand up one-on-one, chip him pretty much every play, and, uh, and make sure he takes those, uh, those hits in the ribs, that slow pass rushers down.
3: Yeah, I got uh, I got your your know your foe lined up for tomorrow. But, um, but I, I I agree with that methodology. I don't think it'll work to give him the option. You know, I think they did that really well with Chris Jones, but he's a totally different type of player. You know, Bose is too fast. He'll be able to uh, you know, be able to cover both options. I think, even though Lamar is so good at the option, I just, I don't think uh, that's the challenge you want to, you want to put, you know, put against them. I think just double team him and, and challenge the other guys mm
2: mm-hmm. right, Before we wrap up here, I just was looking over on another resource here, and the Chargers have played the least cover two of any team in the league. Now, they have other versions of zone that they play, but it'll be interesting. This will be a very different challenge for uh, for the Ravens in terms of how they look at this. And I, I guess uh, it's not two-man I'm talking about. It's, it's, it's just playing cover two-shell, which it's it's strange that they have played that so irregularly relative to other teams. And uh, uh, we'll see how Lamar reacts to this. It'll be fun.
3: Yeah, it'll be a good week.
2: Dan, always a pleasure. It's a big game coming up on Sunday. Looking forward to it. I a 10 a.m. roll out of bed game for you, probably, right? <laughs> exactly. Get some brunch and watch some football. Pretty good deal. <laughs> All right. Well, take it easy and we'll talk to you next time on Film Study. <laughs>